0: Hello and welcome to the Adventure Film Podcast. This is the fourth in our series of ten. Um, just to give a brief overview, uh, a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago now, I came up with ten films that, for me, epitomise the adventure film. And so far, uh, we've had the 1933 version of King Kong, we had The Man Who Would Be King, and then... The last one we did was The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. This one is uh, Hidden Fortress, a 1958 Akira Kurosawa film. Really, we're discussing the story of these adventure films more than anything else, with a bit of background information here and there. Um, But mostly we're looking at what makes these great adventure stories. That's what we're interested in. Um, Who are we? My name is Garen Ewing, and I am a comic strip author and illustrator i've got a comic called the rainbow orchid which is just a great big adventure that's what, that's sort of my interest in this um adventure films have has been my i think my favorite genre if it is a genre for just about as long as i can remember so um these 10 films come from my sort of perennial favorites um and i've forced these 10 films <laughs> on my brother murray
1: Hello, I'm Murray. Um, I suppose my main uh, contribution to this is I write mostly science fiction, fantasy, horror stories. Uh, But um, I'm really interested in the story aspect of these films. Uh, And one thing to do that, we should emphasise right at the beginning that these podcasts do go through the whole story. (laughs) So there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen the film, it's a good idea to go and see it first.
0: Finally, on the fourth podcast we've mentioned... Um, Spoilers, so apologies for the others The other thing that we always mention Is uh, neither of us are particularly Film historians and Facts (laughs) may not be uh, 100% correct, but we do our best
1: Yes I suppose one thing we should say right from the beginning Is this the first foreign film we've done?
0: Well yes, although Are Americans (laughs) (laughs) foreigners? Foreign language film (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so this is a Japanese film And um I'm sure most of you listening to this would have heard of Akira Kurosawa. He's my favourite director, I think. I absolutely adore his films to the point of ridiculousness. Um, <laughs> I have got, I think I've got all his films apart from three on DVD and watch them regularly. Um, so The Hidden Fortress is one I've been uh, particularly looking forward to. And In fact, I saw The Hidden Fortress earlier this year and it was that that made me think what an excellent adventure film um, and that led me to come up with the list of the ten because uh, really? I thought there's certain adventure films that just really define adventure for me and, and this was really one of them it's it's Kurosawa's only out and out adventure story I think um, although it's got his own unique take on it mm. um, I, he did actually say he wanted to make 100% entertainment Right. Um, and I think that's what he's done with this
1: so the first thing to say is that it's set in medieval
0: Japan 16th century It was called the Sengoku period ah. And it was rife with civil wars Yes, Kurosawa is most famously known If you, If you don't really know The Hidden Fortress Although this may be one of his quite famous films his probably his most famous film I would say is The Seven Samurai mm, yeah, that. yeah, and so uh, amongst a lot of people he's known as a you know maker of sort of classic samurai films but a lot of his films weren't samurai films and those are equally fantastic in, in some respects some of them even more so but this was um, just a pure out and out adventure film it was his last film for Toho who he'd been with for some years and I, yeah. I think uh, in knowing that he just wanted to make a blockbuster. <laughs> right. It was also the first film he filmed in widescreen. Mm. Um or toho scope as he says <laughs> in the beginning and that really suited Kurosawa as you can see from just the opening scene mm. where the two characters walk in in this desolate landscape. Yeah. And then, yeah, the horses, the the injured samurai stumbles in and then mm. the horses come in. Looks spectacular on widescreen, mm. I think.
1: That's something like Hitchcock is a director I've read about and watched almost all of his films. He uh, lived through the introduction of sound and then colour, and each new technological innovation, he, he really thought of how to use it to make to express his meaning. I think this, with um, widescreen, he didn't just think, oh, I'll just film it in widescreen. He did think how to film it and, what, and you know, the effect it would have. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, I mean, he became a master of widescreen on this first film. <laughs> yeah. Did Hitchcock make... When did he make his first colour film, out of interest? I don't know. <laughs> um, Because uh, Kurosawa didn't make a colour film for quite a while. No. Um,
1: in fact, Hitchcock made uh, a 3D film really early <laughs> as well. Yeah. I think d- Dial In For Murder was three
0: D. No, was that that was the was that, I don't know if it was the first, but it was a three D boom in the fifties, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, so it was that time. But of course as Hitchcock Did he also make a film did Hitchcock did he embrace every technology? Did he <laughs> make a film where, <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say? This <laughs> was a Hitchcock film where he utilized the um Technology of buzzing chairs, <laughs> electric chocolate no, <laughs> no, anyway. Well, I bet he would have, because he's the same person. <laughs> he doesn't need to. <laughs> um, anyway, back to Kurosawa. You were saying it's, it's, it's set in the 16th century, yes. Civil War. I think the thing about, throughout this whole film, this is a destroyed landscape. Everything's mm. in ruins. It's a world-weary fight that's been going on. And the characters... Well, I mean, what it does to people is you see straight away the two farmers that are the main characters. Yeah. And it, this is unusual in this genre of film, the sort of samurai epic, to have the main characters as the lowly yeah. comedy types. Mm. But that's the focus of the film. Um, and they, they enter the film squabbling. Really, war is an opportunity to to, bet- to make money.
1: Yeah. Well, they say they sold their houses to buy weapons. Yes. And having lost in the war... They've now got nothing.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, a point they keep returning to throughout <laughs> the film. But um, I think that's the point about this, this war-torn landscape, mm. is that you get far- lowly farmers trying to get riches and, and glory. Yeah. You know, suddenly the social constraints become very fluid. Yeah. And you get the general and the princess, who we meet later... Yes. Um disguised as lowly yeah they're brought low yeah. yes yes I mean they have to act that way yeah. in order to get by so there's this complete mix up of the social castes which in a country where and a, a time where they were very rigid yeah usually and important
1: yeah and one thing about Hidden Fortress if you haven't heard of any other Kurosawa films and you've heard of Hidden Fortress there's of course one reason probably Which is that it's often quoted as being an influence on George Lucas when he was writing Star Wars. Because if you've seen Star Wars, you'll immediately um, be reminded at the beginning, you've got these two squabbling lowlifes.
0: Anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars can leave now. (laughs) 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 Only joking.
1: They come onto this (laughs) desert landscape and they're they're arguing and they're actually saying, you go that way, I'll go this (laughs) way. And it's... C-3PO and R2D2 in Star Wars are basically the same.
0: Yeah, again, it's that looking at the story from this lowly point of view that you can totally uh, perhaps more easily identify with yeah. as things go around them. I mean, they influence it too, of course. And uh, the big thing I noticed when I first saw Hidden Fortress a few, quite a few years ago now, mm. um, but obviously I've seen Star Wars when that came out in yeah. seven, <laughs> was the screen, the wipe yes. across the screen. That was the first thing I thought, wow, Star Wars. I I didn't think PO and R2-D2 for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. But it was the wipe that Kurosawa had been using for ages.
1: Yeah, which is like the turning of a page. It has a really storybook effect. Rather than just cutting from one scene to another, the screen wipes from right to left or left to right or up to down.
0: Yeah, I think the whole essays have been written about Kurosawa's use of various cutting techniques, including Mm -hmm. the wipe. Um, Luckily I haven't read any of them So uh, you're not going to get any insights from me On that, apart from it's cool The one other thing I wanted to say
1: About Star Wars Is my BFI DVD Of Hidden Fortress Says at the the bottom of the notes It says, and of course George Lucas nicked the plot of Hidden Fortress for Star Wars And I thought well, no, he didn't. The plot is very different, I think.
0: There's elements that are yeah. similar. Um, there's a princess. Yeah. There's a rescue. Um, there's trying to get... I can't I'm trying to remember Star Wars now, but there's, they're trying to get the princess back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all that. But it's not, it's not a steal it's by any not. means. Yeah. There's an influence, definitely. But I, I think um, George Lucas loved Curaçao. Mm. I mean, in fact, Lucas Spielberg... And was it Francis Ford Coppola? Yeah, were responsible for getting Kurosawa back on his feet in the early '80s. Oh, really? Right. Late '70s, early '80s, with um, certainly the Kagamusha. Yeah, I can't remember if it was a little bit earlier as well. But you know, there's no, there's no cheap stealing mm. here. It's, mm. um, it's, it's just someone who absolutely loves his films and and quite right too. <laughs> yeah, because
1: Kurosawa did. He was one of those breakout directors who did have quite a lot of um, internationally famous. Mm. And I think you, you told me that uh, people in Japan, some of them didn't like him because of that.
0: There may have... Yes, I may have said that. Uh, I've forgotten the details now. Mm. But a lot of people say he's the most Western of Japanese right, yeah. film directors. And I'm not actually sure that's true because he's massively popular in Japan as yeah. well. Although he is, he's probably the most well-known Japanese director in the West. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, there's three or four that have really made it big. Yeah, Kurosawa uh, did Rashomon in, uh, was it, the early 50s, and that was a breakthrough film for Japanese cinema in general, not just right. Kurosawa. It won, I, well, I'm going to get the details wrong here, but I think it was The Palme d'Or or something. Right. Um, maybe it wasn't The Palme d'Or. A golden something. Golden Compass. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you no. <laughs> our facts are, are slippery on this, but anyway, that that was the film that really brought him to attention, right? Um, certainly. So the plot of this is basically uh, akizuki Prefecture has been taken over by the Yamana. Yes. And the princess and her general are in hiding. Yeah. The princess is in hiding, uh, protected by her general, Macabi, like played by Toshiro Mifune. And they have got their the family gold, and they've, they're trying to get it into a friendly territory, uh, Hayakawa. And that's basically it. They have to get from the occupied Akazuki They have to escape from that and get into Hayakawa with the gold.
1: Yeah, and of course the two peasant farmers who we meet first are are also they've been fighting in akizuki and they're trying to get back to what's it called
0: hayakawa i think hayakawa
1: prefecture yeah and they come up with the idea the general is stumped about how to get uh princess uh, yuki back home and the one sort of good thing about the peasants is they do come up with this idea they say everyone's trying to get back to hayakawa straight over the border but if we go which is guarded of course yeah if we go into Yamana first, no one's going to expect anyone to go, any of the conquered people, to go into Yamana, who are the, the conquerors. Yeah. And then we can slip into um,
0: hi- Hayawak- Hayakawa. <laughs> Hayakawa, I think, yeah.
1: And the General Maccabi says,
0: This is a brilliant idea.
1: <laughs> and there's
0: a brilliant scene where they explain it. Yeah. They're like, Very carefully, these two idiots are very carefully explaining to this general <laughs> who they don't know he's a general. No. Um, let me explain it simply for you. When they take ages. To, they go through it several times yeah. uh, with this diagram in the sand. And, and it seems... I must say that I didn't realise until watching this again and having just watched Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I hadn't realised the similarities yeah. between that these two films share. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, just because we've seen them together, normally, yes, yes. I don't think that there was any... There was no influence, but there's the greed factor, the treasure factor, the no. even the travelling with the treasure factor. And this scene in particular where they're explaining their plan to mm. General Maccabi, the campfire, reminded me of Cody coming to the campfire. Yeah. And they don't trust who's this stranger coming yeah. in, we've got gold, they're trying to not mention it. Exactly yeah. not, not a copy, but it mirrors very nicely what we saw in Sierra Madre a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah. In fact I made a note and um, I said that this film could be seen as the the last part of Treasure of Sierra Madre, where they've got the gold and are going home expanded because it's all about transporting gold yes it's almost like an expanded version it's almost like you've got a concertina story and you can expand different bits
0: (laughs) yes yeah the gold is the most important thing to the two farmers but it's not to the general no and in fact I mean obviously the princess for him comes before everything else Mm. he is willing to give off his own life for the princess he does give up his sister's life for the princess, or rather she gives up her life, but I think it was his the, the implication, it was his plan mm. to, to for his sister to impersonate the princess, Yeah. and she gets executed, but as far as Maccabi is concerned, that's, although you see his yeah. his quiet devastation, if you like, it's for the yeah. greater good.
1: When he tells the princess it, he's saying it as a plus point saying, they think you're dead now, Yeah, and of course she says, well, yes, but the person who stood in my place is dead and her life it, was as valuable as mine.
0: Yes, same, they were the same age. And the princess in this is 16. Mm. Although the actress, Misa Uhara, was 20. Right. This yeah. was her first film role. Really? And she was not an actress. Mm. Um, Kurosawa um, auditioned hundreds <laughs> of women, including... The, the girl who plays the slave girl who they buy yes, yeah. she auditioned for the part of the princess as well oh. anyway she got invited to come and try for the part and she did right. so it was her first acting role and mm. she didn't make that many more films no. but she was only 20 and I think she's brilliant in it mm. um, Kurosawa wanted um, a girl with the intensity of a samurai's daughter
1: Yes, and yes. I just think
0: she's got that it's her yeah. eyes especially mm. uh, are really striking mm. very striking I, I think this is another story. When she was in makeup, Kurosawa came in with a photograph of Elizabeth Taylor, wanting <laughs> her to look like that, and it didn't work. So eventually, he, he quite rightly, I think, settled on a knot mask oh, right. as the as the template for her yeah, makeup. She
1: does have quite angled eyebrows, which I guess yeah. were, even then was supposed to be makeup. You know, it sets
0: her apart from the peasants if yeah. I can call them that <laughs> yeah. Um I mean there's a scene where she walks into a where they're in the, the it's town not like a tavern isn't it yeah, yeah. like a tavern that's yeah. it and there's these two women yeah. working away and she just wanders by them and they look up and immediately they know there's something different yeah. about her although she's dressed as a, uh, a peasant herself mm. um, the way she she can't hide the fact that she's a princess and yeah. the way she looks the way she walks she carries around this stick, which totally telegraphs her character. Really, yes, the way yeah. she points and hits yeah. with it and stuff. Well,
1: actually, I think one essential thing in this film is that there's two characters. One is Toshirō Mifuni and the other is Princess Yuki. They have such presence. Toshirō Mifune, when he first appears, even though you see him in the distance, you're impressed. Yes, just the way he moves around, talk, everything he does. I think is really he's got such screen presence.
0: Oh, he does, yeah.
1: And you really believe that he is this extremely capable samurai general.
0: Even though he's dressed as, again, as as, as, um, a a regular person.
1: And of course, he's got to. He basically bullies the two peasants into working for him. And the only way that would work is if you believe that. They automatically cower before his presence, you know, because they could easily—well, they couldn't easily necessarily beat him up, but there were two against one.
0: No, they couldn't easily beat him up. That's yeah, <laughs> but, but completely cow. Yeah, in their minds, they mm. probably think, "Yes, we outnumber him." Yeah. But there's something about him, as you say. Yeah. I mean, he's—he's he's got on his side. He's got the fact that they think he knows where the gold is, yes, and yeah. he's in charge of it, and and they're going to get some. Mm. So. He, they're within his power in that part. They keep trying to rebel and failing <laughs> because he's too physically strong. He's too overpowering by his character, yeah. his demeanour. Um, but, I mean, let's talk about Mifuni for a bit As anyway while we are. He is uh, a Japanese film legend, mm. of course, and was made by Kurosawa. Although he, his first film wasn't for Kurosawa, but Kurosawa grabbed him as soon as he could and was in... Of Kurosawa's films from Drunken Angel. But the funny thing about uh, Mifuni is he, he didn't go to be an actor, he went, he, I think he wanted to be a cameraman. <laughs> he was just looking for work, really. He was a photographer in the Second World War wow. for the Air Force. Yeah. He thought he could get a film as a cinematographer at, I think it was Toho, mm. um, and ended up on one of their auditions for actors. And um, he's so. I think he think he threw a bit of a strop on it or something, um, and and just um, wowed them. And, right. And, yeah. Uh, but he's a, the point is he's a stunning actor. Yes. <laughs> uh, just by his presence and everything, he's he's very different. Mm. He stands out in Japanese film by miles, I think. And um, yeah, he didn't want to be an actor. <laughs> so and look at him in Hidden Fortress, you'd think mm. his his the, the Laurence Olivier of <laughs> maybe not quite, but. Yeah. Of of Japanese film,
1: well, see I, I mean, I immediately thought he's like the Clint Eastwood of Japanese yes, film, yeah. Because of course he's played um, he played the Ronin in um, is it Yojimbo, yeah, which of course so was yeah. remade as Fistful Fist of Dollars. dollars? Yeah. 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 But then I thought the one. I mean, the big difference
0: here shown is that although really Clint Eastwood is the yes, yeah, version around. of Mif- Mif- <laughs> Mif-
1: Mif- but Mif- <laughs> is really impressive physically and you get the idea that he's an action hero you know he fights brilliantly in this but also he slips into comedy just as naturally which you can't imagine Clint Eastwood doing I mean I like Clint Eastwood as an yeah, actor yeah, but you can't imagine him making a fool of himself and it working
0: no I think um, I haven't seen a lot yeah. of Clint Eastwood but he did make some comedies didn't he Yeah, but yeah, I mean as you say, Mifuni the fight scenes, and the one that stands out is the the chase on the horses. Yeah. Those aren't stunt men on those horses and what yeah. skill. He's he's chasing that horse with both hands on his sword. Yes. Chasing at quite a speed by the looks uh, of it. Yes, yes, And then they fight the guy the samurai in front has a spear yeah. and they fight really impressive um on the fight scenes, Kurosawa hired a proper kendo instructor oh. for the fight scenes, but although it was technically brilliant for kendo, it didn't look cinematic, so he had to
1: mm. had sort of
0: dispense with the technically correct fighting and right. and, and utilise a um, you know, cinema yeah. fighting, really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they are very impressive.
1: Well, we said the peasants are trying to return home, but they immediately get captured and are forced to dig for gold. Is that the hidden Akizuki gold? Yes, which, yes, Yeah, which the princess has actually got.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're looking for it. They have obviously... I, I mean, I would imagine that the princesses' uh, lot have put out the rumour that the, the treasure's been buried. Yeah. To, um, Just to keep the enemy occupied. To keep them occupied, yeah. to keep them looking elsewhere. Uh, that's a, I'm feeling that gap in myself. But, yeah, I mean, that's a brilliant scene where the two, the farmers are captured and they're put I mean like R2D2 and C3PO they're separated yeah and and you see that there's this huge brilliant sets in Hidden Fortress there's these huge steps with the two gangs coming down I think um, Tahe is going up and he sees this group covered in mud and he goes oh, I'm not digging graves again yeah. which has been <laughs> And but actually they've been digging for gold and then he sees um, Matashichi there and they're oh you know, they're, they're when they yeah. they've but when they see each other yeah. they desperately want to be together it's their yeah. the sort like, of safety
1: just like C-3PO and RTD2 meeting in the Jawa uh, sand um oh, that's I couldn't yeah. remember
0: when they met again
1: oh too it is you <laughs> that's it. Yes. and suddenly all is forgiven yes just because they see a face that he recognises yeah yeah.
0: I mean I must say the comedy in this is really funny mm. and it's all from those two characters yes. but it's not yeah. all, but they are brilliant yeah and they're both Kurosawa mainstays as well Tahei was played by Minoru Chiaki if you've seen Seven Samurai, he was one of the samurai. Oh, really? He was the amusing, the sort of funny samurai. Right. So, was yeah. one that was kind of light-hearted. That was him. And uh, Masashichi is played by Kamatari Fujiwara. He was in Seven Samurai. I'm just using. Seven... He was in lots of out I'm yeah. using Seven Samurai. It's a lot of people have seen it. Um, he was one of the villagers. He was Shino's father. Shino being the girl who fell for the young samurai. Oh, ah, really? Right. If you remember it, um, so. If you've seen Seven Samurai, Not Hidden Fortress, maybe that'll help you place them. And Fujiwara is a a kind of small, wiry, um, a bit older-looking character, and Chiaki is is a slightly plumper, taller. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) and they remind me so much of Laurel and Hardy. (laughs) And even, I don't know which one it is, but one of them's got a kind of a a Yelp that yeah. <laughs> is like Stan Laurels. Exactly <laughs> like Stan Laurels. Um so they act like them. They're, they're kind of the comedy, you know, best friends but always bickering. Yeah. And but also the there's the, an the, the, the actual uh, you know characteristic as well. So if you can imagine
1: Clint Eastwood, Laurel and Hardy in a film <laughs> This is it, <laughs> this is it. Yes. And Princess Leah. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was also mentioned another well t- actually I'm, as we're talking about the cast two other appearances Yeah. Um, Takashi Shimura um, I think appeared in more Kurosawa films than Shiro funi he was the leader of the Seven Samurai mm. he's got a very small role in this but he is in it he plays the old general Nagakura who's he's in the you see him only in the cave at the back in mm, uh, yeah. the hideout uh, and later when they're um, on the mountain ridge looking at the princess leaving and mm. crying uh, as she goes, so he's got a very small role. Yeah, and the other one, I couldn't believe it when I read who this was. But Tadokoro, who's the general at the end with the scar on his face,
1: oh yes, and yeah. who
0: Mifuni fights in the middle, yeah, he's played by Susumu Fujita, and I didn't recognise him at all. Even I, even looking at watching the film recently for this. And knowing it was him, yeah. I still couldn't believe it was him. And he was Kurosawa's sort of main actor before Mifune came along. Oh, really? He was in Kurosawa's first directorial, his, his directorial debut, Sanshiro Sugata. He played the main role in that. And so you see him in quite a lot of his f- films. He appears in... another one I was watching recently. High and Low, which is... If you haven't seen High and Low... So that's one of my favourite Kurosawa films it's not a samurai film he is in that and he plays I think he plays the police chief but I don't think he says anything <laughs> he just sits there while everyone has meetings and you know, he's this star, this Kurosawa star yet he still does cameos in fact that's a lot a lot of Kurosawa's actors or maybe in J- J- Japanese films yeah. anyway um, you get people who have a main character in an earlier film they appear in a cameo later and then mm. a main part in another one uh, going back to Takashi Shimura if you've seen Godzilla, he's the scientist the oh. older scientist in oh, Godzilla right, as well. Right. I think that's right. Oh. Um Sasumi Vujito as well was in a film called Those Who Tread on the Tiger's Tail. Yeah. From nineteen forty five. And that's important because Hidden Fortress is based on that, the plot of that. Really? Now I, I saw Tiger's Tail last year, so recent ish, but I'm still a bit I can't remember exactly. But that was based on a kabuki called Kanjincho. Right. Um, and that, I think, is based on an earlier Noh play. So <laughs> so you get this Noh play, um, I can't remember what it's called, Atuka or something, and then the Kabuki called Kanjinko, and then Kurosawa made a filmed Kanjincho, sorry, although changed it slightly. He added a comic character, Enoken, and then in The Hidden Fortress, that comic character becomes two comic characters. <laughs> right. the, the whole point of um, Those Who Tread on the Tiger's tail is this band of samurai and their lord... Yeah. trying to get to another territory. Right. They've got to get through a checkpoint, and they dress and They disguise themselves as monks, and the lord is disguised as a porter, a lowly porter, who doesn't speak. Right. <laughs> and the key... There's two key things about it. One is that, just as they're about to be discovered, the, the general, who, who's disguised as the head monk, beats the porter, because they think, doesn't that porter look a bit like the lord? And he, he beats oh, the porter right. to... Sh- to show that he's not... I think because he's not working hard enough or something. And that yeah. shows that he can't be the Lord. No one yeah. would do that. And then he has to apologise to <laughs> the I mean, yeah. And the other point about it is that... I th- I think this this is not put in... This is not explicitly s- stated, but the character who Fujita plays, who's the checkpoint official... Right. I think he suspects the monks are the samurai, but he's so um, impressed... By a bravado <laughs> that he lets them through, really? and of course in Hidden Fortress he plays the general who at the end is so kind of impressed by their character. I think yes, I and mean, he's already got respect for Maccabi Yeah, but he then um, helps them to escape and indeed yeah. escapes with them. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that's that's going through the cast and um, some of its its influences. Yeah, those. If you see those, the *Tiger Sale which is an excellent film, by the way, it's not very long. I think it's about forty minutes. Oh, right. And it's just been released in this country on DVD. Is it the BFI did an? Ear- I've done an early Kurosawa box set for thirty-five pounds or something. They released it about a month after I just spent a hundred quid <laughs> on thinking like these are never going to be released. So I'm going to buy the American versions. Spent hundred quid on those a month later. The BFI released an re- early Kurosawa. Uh-huh. Anyway, worth getting. Mm, yeah. um, *Tiger Sales is brilliant. Little. Film, really like mm. it.
1: So the peasants, after after they've been forced to do for gold, they actually end up escaping again.
0: That's a, a fantastic scene. I mean, this, this is the spectacle part of In Fortress, is the slave revolt. Yeah. And that bit where they're coming down the stairs and the samurai are firing guns at them, Yeah, but they just keep coming in a wall. I mean, they stop at first, but then they can't stop. Yes. I'm surprised no actor or extra was killed in that Mm -hmm. I mean these look like stone steps I presume they're not made of cardboard or something and just the the sheer force of them coming down and people do seem to be falling over I know they're getting shot and stuff but I was just (laughs) on the edge of my seat at that bit thinking oh my god (laughs) how many broken limbs were there in that scene
1: yeah so the peasants our two peasant heroes uh, end up escaping again and that's when they... I think that's when they decide to go into Yamana province, isn't it? Suddenly they end up in the mountains. Yes. Uh, and they're sitting there at a, <laughs> This is a quite a strange scene, really. They're sitting at a, a fire. They've made a fire for the night. They're sitting there, and this is one piece of wood that won't burn. And so he sort of throws it away, saying, it won't burn. They throw it away, and it tinkles. Yes. <laughs> and so immediately they go and look... And they find this piece of gold. So all this, um, all the Akizuki gold has been hidden in sort of slim bars, inserted into lengths of wood. Yes. I always wonder where (laughs) they got that first stick from. You know,
0: was it just lying about? (laughs) You mean the the two farmers? Yeah. Well, yeah, they were just collecting wood for their fire. Yeah. Um... I presume... I, I, the implication is either it fell off the horses from when it was transported to the Hidden Fortress. Yeah. The, the other possibility, although it can't be this, is that it's it, it's actually hidden. The bulk of it's hidden in this little pool. Yeah. And I did at first think, oh, yeah. oh has, it, has it gone down the river or something? But I don't think that would happen. Yeah. So I, I guess it's... They, well, there's so much of it, it's mm. probably a few sticks of fallen off horses or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but really anyway, matter.
1: without it, the story wouldn't happen no. So it's <laughs> like, I always think you're allowed one coincidence in a story Right Because otherwise the story wouldn't happen If you have two coincidences, that's too much But if there's one that sets things off, then that's alright Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's the way you, prim- you you use a coincidence
1: But what, one thing I, I thought about gold hidden in wood Is of course it, it's a theme throughout the, the film That the princess hides as a peasant You've got gold hidden yeah. in wood And the princess Raiders, is sort yeah. of the treasure of the house of Akizuki. Yes. Because as well as being its now head of it, she also represents the possible continuation of the line, the royal line. Yeah. So she is a treasure. Yeah. And she gets hidden in... Yeah, you know,
0: she's uh, she, is, she she is the treasure. Yeah. really I mean, the gold is going to be useful for them rebuilding their the um, the power base. but yeah. it's the princess that matters. Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: But in order to escape, she has to hide herself, just like we have to hide the gold in wood. <laughs> yes,
0: although nobility cannot be disguised. they say. yes. That's the and that's another great scene where M- Mifuni says she's going to have to act as a mute. But but she's a real willful child. Yeah, very headstrong. And so he, he does this really bad reverse psychology, which is, he probably knows this is going to happen. It's reverse, reverse psychology. <laughs> that he says, oh, I don't think you'll be able to do it. And yeah. she immediately says, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know I disagree with everything. says, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, but he, I suspect Mufili knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Brilliant scene.
1: Of course, another thing about the princess is she's... Um, I think they said she was raised like a boy. Yes. I guess that means she was the only heir. I so think I mean, they say
0: because they didn't... Yeah. yeah. They had a daughter, so mm. the Lord r- raised her as if she was a boy. Yeah. And indeed, we see her... She um, walks around in short
1: trousers for most of the film. Yeah. <laughs> which I
0: wonder. Well, she's very tomboyish. Of course, yeah. she's in disguise, so we don't know, but... Well, we see her at the end, of course, mm. in her true yeah. princess, and there's no question there. But you can see she can ride a horse. Mm. Um, and she's a very forceful personality yeah, as well. she's pretty fearless. Yeah. Um, so that's all there. Very... I mean we've said or touched on in previous podcasts about the lack of female yeah. <laughs> characters and this is um, thankfully a representative yes. film that defies that yeah. <laughs> general and boy's own adventure I mean, this is a boy's own adventure but she is a good strong female character yeah, I think yeah. I, and Kurosawa gets a lot of flack for not being good with female characters and I don't think that's true when you no. you look at Quite a few of his films. Yeah. Um, and this one's a escapist fairy tale, if you like, so maybe people don't take it ser- seriously, but mm. uh, she's a great character. Yes, yeah.
1: So the peasants, immediately they find this one piece of gold, they start the next day, I think it's the next day, they start looking around for more, and they're doing the...
0: Um, well, they, they look around for more straight away, because isn't it that night that... General Maccabi comes down to the... Yes, yeah. ...campfire.
1: I was trying to remember, because they built the campfire, I assume that was evening, yeah, but yeah. They right. start looking for more gold, and they're talking, they're immediately doing the deal. There's always a deal in these films, isn't there, where gold is concerned. Yeah, yeah. Where they say, we'll divide it fair and square, and of course you know they're going to fall out, because they fall, they fall out throughout the but film. But it's great
0: the way... you think that would be obvious, yeah. right? Divide it half and half, no problems. But it's amazing how... Neither of them really want to do that. <laughs> the one who doesn't have it. Say, let's do it 50-50. The other one's got it. Saying oh, right. he really yeah. doesn't want to. And later on, at, almost at the end, there's the scene where they've got the four horses and one of them's got three and one of them's got one. And he <laughs> won't share. It's <laughs> so fantastic. It just typifies the, the greed. I mean, again, mm. this is a, a greed. Yeah. We would think this is... We, we said by doing these adventure film podcasts we discover what adventure films are. So yeah. far it seems to be about... Them. Um, there's... there's People don't go on adventures for altruistic reasons, it seems. <laughs> uh, but while looking for
1: the gold, um, they instead encounter General Maccabi, who I think this is a brilliant scene. The way they see him and they're immediately nervous, and he just starts walking towards them and they start running away it's looking the confidence, at him. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. He's, he's obviously such a presence. And they, of course, assume that he's just another person who knows what there's gold about, but he recruits them. He says he knows where the gold
0: is, takes them up to. The Hidden Fortress of the title. Yeah, which the features really... You don't really need it in the film. No, no. I think the start... The the idea for this film came from... There's four writers on this. Kurosawa was one of them, but he worked mm. with three fellow writers. And one of them lived somewhere where there was an actual historical hidden fortress still in existence. Mm. And I think that was the spark for the idea of the film. I mean, then, of course, the Tiger's tail aspect came into it.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, according to the... BFI DVD I had the original title was going to be Three Bad Men in a Hidden
0: Fortress. That that is the translation of the Japanese title. Oh, actually. really? So yeah. that is what it's called yeah. in in the Japanese. And of course, it's interesting. It's three bad men because you think it shouldn't mean two bad men, it's yeah. like two pathetic farmers. But I think Kurosawa's is saying something about Mifuni's character there. Mm. That the way he acts is a criticism of his noble actions in a way. The fact that he sacrifices his sister, um, yeah. for instance. Yeah. I mean, everyone kind of comes out of it well in the end. Yes. <laughs> but there's certainly... Who's the other man? It's got to be the generals. So yeah. Three bad men. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and then the funny thing is, <laughs> the thing I think is a sort of running joke, which I only realised afterwards, is that the two farmers, um, in going to war, thought they were going to make their fortune by just fighting. Yeah. But all the way through this film, they're forced to work. <laughs> yes. They're, they're forced to dig graves. <laughs> then they're forced to dig for gold. Mm. And then Tashira Mifuni makes them dig again. And then after that, they've got to they carry... They think they're digging for the gold. Yeah.
0: Mifuni has just got them doing something. Yeah, knows got something. Got them to-
1: <laughs> and then they've got to carry the gold in yeah. wood. You know, yeah. All the way through the film, <laughs> they're working. And <laughs> it's like... <laughs> They'll get the message eventually that the only way to get riches <laughs> is by work. Okay, yes.
0: <laughs> even that doesn't work for them very well.
1: But Mifuni and Princess Princess Yuki are hiding out because yeah. they haven't really got a plan. But it's only it's the peasants who suggest the plan of how to get into yeah the other prefecture yeah the other prefecture <laughs> 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 um,
0: Well, that, there's there's this the, the hidden fortress. I don't know how the geography works mm. out, but there's these huts. Mm. Um, it's in the mountains, and it's in a little um, depression. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's these huts, but there's a cave that goes back. And then there's this other bit. There's, there's, there's two other bits. There's the pool, and there's, there's this lovely... There's this horrible, dry, arid, mountainy mm. desert bit. And then there's this beautiful pool, the, the water supply, in a forest, mm. which is obviously just next to it. And then there's this cave behind a waterfall, also beautiful, which yeah. is where they the princess... Sits and her elder, uh, you know, her lady in waiting and the older general, they're there as well. Mm. I think this was all filmed around Mount Fuji, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Another brilliant scene to note I mean, it's full of brilliant scenes, but I love the scene where Mifuni tells the two to go up that slope, yeah, that's where the gold is. And there's this really long scene where they're scrabbling up, and you can see that. I thought has has Kurosawa tilted the camera to make it look steeper? I don't think he has, the no. way the, the way the rocks are falling down and the effort they're putting in. And it's just brilliant, they're scrabbling up and you feel knackered yourself <laughs> at the end. And then of course they look down eventually they see Mufuni has gone down the easy way. Yeah. <laughs> but brilliant. I mean what gold Actually when you does. say
1: they 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 look so knackered, there's another scene that reminds me of where they've been digging, it's a really hot day and they're <laughs> taking a rest. Yeah. And they're so tired, oh. they can't be bothered to move, and their legs are getting in each other's <laughs> way. And that just summed up for me, being that tired. You, you, you can't be bothered to kick the other person's leg out of the way, oh. so but get off you feel- me,
0: you're too hot, yeah. your face is too hot, stop <laughs> looking at me. I hate your teeth. <laughs> I love that, that at the beginning as well, you stink of stink. <laughs> um, just they're, they're really quite, quite bad... Um, insults, insults yeah. towards each other but that's yeah you're, you're hot your face is making me hot <laughs> so what does that mean this is brilliant but yeah they look it does look so dry and horrible yeah. there but that pool where the gold is hidden mm. it is beautiful it? Yes. <laughs> and when they get in the water you know they they see that yeah. we've just been in that dusty hot bit for so long that I really felt thirsty and, <laughs> and, uh, and boiling myself I mean it's quite hot today when we're doing this but um I thought, God, oh, I'd love to dive into that water. <laughs> they're just about to make... They, they notice lots of sticks in the bottom of the pool. Yeah. And I think the idea's just about to coalesce in their brain yeah. when the general, general uh, Maccabi kicks them in. Yeah. And I think, oh, they found the gold. But later, it turns out, they, they didn't quite make yes, that connection. Yeah. They were about to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. But they're so idiotic that <laughs> the, the, the thought process in them is so slow yeah. that they can start to have the thought and you've got time to interrupt it and so then it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get completed. <laughs> uh, we should move on with the plot of it, I think. Um, mm. Eventually, they start enacting the plan and they leave. They pack up the horses and off they go. And another brilliant scene, which is funny, is, is where now the Princess Yuki is, has agreed to be a mute. Yes. So, I mean, the two farmers don't know who they're with. No. They just think that this guy, Mifuni, has found the gold and they're all going to share in it. Yeah. Although they they attempt several times to run off with it themselves, um, so they think the girl is just some mute, yeah, peasant, you know. Yeah. And there's a scene where Mifuni goes off to check out the other side of the river bank. Yeah. They decide to make off with the gold, but they think, well, what about her? Yeah. And there's a hilarious scene where they decide that because she's mute. Well, she can't hear either. <laughs> yes. so And they try and mime that they're going to take the horses for a drink, which is yeah. just brilliant. It's so well done. It's such inept mimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and off they go. Um, and, of course, they attract the attention of the checkpoint, the, the yeah. defending soldiers along the line. And this is the checkpoint scene where they go across the bridge. Ah,
1: oh, yes.
0: Uh, eventually, Mifune rejoins them, finds out what they're doing. And off they go across the bridge. Another brilliant scene because in order to get them across, Mifuni says, he goes up to them brazenly and says, I found this gold. Yeah. They, they, they've got all the gold with them hidden in this sticks and he goes, "This one stick and he says, I found this gold in a stick over in the mountains and they go, oh, gold. And I love the expression on Princess Yuki's face as she she looks really impressed by him. Yeah. She's been critical of him before. Yeah. Uh, quite condescending, uh, scathing, but now she sees how brilliant he is mm. um, and it is a brilliant plan yeah. to get them through. Well, I was...
1: So even though I've, I've seen the film before I was surprised again by that well, um,
0: the, tig- the link with Tiger's tail, which is the whole point of that is getting through the checkpoint um, in order to prove they're monks I think I've got this right they are they're told to prove that they, I think they say they're collecting subscriptions for a temple hmm. and he reads out this doc- the head monk reads out a document but actually all it is is blank paper but he does it with such bravado that that's what convinces them that they're genuine oh, or this is the point of discussion the Sasumi Fujita character is so impressed; knows that he's bluffing, but is so impressed that he lets them go. Anyway, with this one, there's there's none of that. No. The, the 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 checkpoint um official is an idiot yeah. <laughs> and and is totally swayed by Mufuni's story of yeah. this one bit of gold, while they breeze through with yeah. tons. <laughs>
1: well, Mufuni makes such a fuss of having this gold taken off him that the checkpoint yes. commander just
0: wants to get rid of him. That's the clever bit, yeah. really, isn't it? I mean, that shows that that, um, yeah. that that kind of strengthens his case by...
1: Because he's bringing attention to himself so much, he mm. can't be exactly. trying to hide. Yeah, And, of course, immediately he lets them go, or immediately in the film, presumably there's a, a gap, Someone comes along and says, um, three men and a woman uh, with
0: some sticks, yes. we've got to find <laughs> them. <laughs> yes, by that time they're in the town. Yeah. And they come to this tavern and uh, I don't know if you know this, there's a guy, there's, the tavern is the scene where we see this bloke who's who's bought this uh, Akizuki woman yeah. uh, for himself Yeah. and she's not behaving and Princess Yuki sees this um, and is appalled of course. Apart from the fact that the woman is one of her...
1: Her country women. Yes. Country um, woman.
0: There's this group of people in the tavern, and there's one who asks the guy, oh, did you buy her? He yeah. up, he's, he's got quite a hairy face. And i, I do it again, linking to the Seven Samurai. There's that <laughs> bit where the, the peasants go and stay at a tavern there. Yeah. And they're trying to get the samurai, and there's these people t- making fun of them. And I was think that's the same group of people, and I, I actually <laughs> wonder if it's the same actor that... I think, I think it might be. I'd have to see it for yeah. sure. He takes the Mickey out of them, but another great scene. And the samurai comes in and really doesn't give them a choice, but wants to buy one of the horses. Yes. And the last thing to show Mufuni he, he needs the horses. He doesn't need gold, but he's, the, the samurai says, you know, he's giving him over the odds. He says, you can buy three pack horses for this. Yeah. And he just takes. He can't argue because you know, who would say knows that much money normally. Yeah. The one thing he doesn't need is money, what he does not <laughs> need is the horse, and he's got to sell it.
1: But of course, that turns out to be a really propitious twist yes. because it turns the people looking for them are looking for three men, a woman, and two horses. Yeah. And now they are three men, two women, and a car. Yes. And of course, they just get overlooked. Yeah. But I, th- I think that's a, uh, an important scene where Princess Yuki convinces Mifuni to buy the peasant woman. Mm. She says, You cannot mute my heart to yes. him. Uh,
0: but also shows um She's a very typical I mean she's sixteen, the character in this. Yeah. And she's quite a typical sort of overblown emotions. Yeah. I mean yes, that's a great sentiment of course. <laughs> but uh, she's she's of course hormones all over the place mm. and 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 very overly dramatic about things. But she's a princess, of course.
1: But both both um, Mifuni and Princess Yuki are sort of going on a, a journey, as it were, an emotional journey. <laughs> uh, Mifuni is a bit of a, a realist, and he his reaction to being told to buy this woman is, "Well, we can't save everyone, uh, but of course." Well, he
0: he only has one, his sole purpose is to get the princess at any yeah. cost, including to his own life. Yeah, and we've already seen his sister has been sacrificed.
1: Yeah, he sees everyone as expendable yeah. apart from her. Yeah. Whereas uh, Princess Yuki is an idealist. And she get And really... I think after we've introduced the two peasant characters, and you say they're the main characters, but sort of halfway through the film, it shifts to Princess Yuki and Mifuni, who are the ones who actually change. You know, Mifuni learns to value people a bit more, because he eventually saves the, the peasant girl's life. Yes. And Princess Yuki, who is a bit of a... She has always lived... Apart from her people, on this journey, pretending to be one of her people, she comes to learn what it's like to be, you know, a normal person, and so to value them more. So they both sort of learn something on this voyage. Yes. where well, the peasants don't learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> the com- comic characters uh, they don't learn things. That's no. what makes them comic, and so they're always making the same mistakes. Yeah, I mean, they're <laughs>
0: trying to survive from minute to minute, and yeah. from minute to minute, to take as much advantage as possible of whatever they can get. <laughs> Um, and I think that's yeah, you know, it's one of these morals again about, yeah. about greed and and living like that. You're not going to learn anything or get anywhere. There's no reward for that kind of life. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so they move on, and next is the fight scene, isn't it?
0: Yes, the horseback fight, which we've, we've touched on, but of course it's very important because he meets an old adversary, but someone who obviously respects him. So this is. The Fujita character, mm. uh, General Tadokoro, and there's uh, the spear fight.
1: Yeah, goes on for a long time, but it's it's, it's yeah. really you really
0: feel as though it's you know a good fight. Well, these are <laughs> two master martial artists, yeah. and you see, I mean, uh, Tadokoro it's obviously the yari is his weapon of choice, right. and when he tells uh, Makabi to choose one, yeah. he looks at I think three before he chooses one, and he's doing yeah. his various So yeah, this so, isn't someone who just points a stick, he knows yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, these are master martial artists.
1: And I mean, it reminded me of the Book of Five Rings, you know, right. the book of um, samurai tactics. Um, Masashi. In fact, I keep on wanting to call Mifuni Masashi. Ah, yes. I think he played him. But anyway. He did, yeah. 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 Um, in that, it says about... Um, You know, use everything in your environment to your advantage. You know, if the sun is behind you, it's blinding your opponent. And stand on a higher bit of ground. So, of course, they they, when they're fighting, they break out of the circle of soldiers Mm. and enter this sort of um, this area where people are sitting with With the dividers. Yeah, and they start using you know everything as as um, cover or you know to fling at each other. It's a real battle of people who know. How to fight,
0: <laughs> and the key part of this course is mifuni wins. He doesn't yes. he? Doesn't kill uh, Tadokoro. No, and much to Tadakoro's shame. I mean, he offers himself to be killed. Yeah, when he realises he's lost. Mifuni doesn't.
1: Yeah, he hasn't um, got time. No, that's his <laughs> point. <laughs> I think there's a respect
0: yeah. there for him. Like, I mean, they greet each other as old friends. Mm. Even though, I, I guess they're their enemies of course but, well, um, I'd have thought
1: that nobles of that time which the samurai were in a sense they would have seen a lot of each other
0: they'd probably fought together before yeah. I mean the civil wars they, you'd get one daimyo fighting another and then someone would die allegiances would switch yeah. so they'd probably been in battles <laughs> both with and against each other yeah. I mean that's what you can imagine yeah uh, this time of civil war such change and every loyalty's changing all the time uh, but that's of course important for the end another key scene is Mifuni's gone off the cart's stuck it's been raining he's gone to get some yes. new containers something new to carry the gold in leaving Tahei and Matashichi with Princess Yuki yeah. and they draw straws for yeah. having their wicked way with her
1: yeah they say, one of us could disappear for a while yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs>
0: I mean, it, it she's sleeping. Even if they'd have e- right, and, yeah. and anyway, the 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 girl who they bought comes back and protects her because she's now learnt that it's the princess. Yeah. She overhears yes. and sees a sign in town for a reward for her capture and realizes. So she protects her while she sleeps. Mm. But even if she hadn't come, I, I can find I just can't believe that they'd have they'd have got no. an <laughs> advantage over her. <laughs> They're too pathetic. Yeah, and uh, she's too strong, really, yeah. even though she's a, only a girl. Uh, a young girl, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next big scene, which is again, is quite spectacular, is the fire festival. Yeah, the Yamana fire festival, and it's it's a great scene uh, because everyone's going to the fire festival with lots of <laughs> sticks to yes. burn, and tahei and Matasichi decide that they can hide amongst them to get going. Yeah, they, they, this is one of their their breaking away ideas. Plans. Yeah, unfortunately, the fire festival is under the careful watch of the Yamana samurai yeah who think that they might be escaped so they can't get out of it and everyone else joins in uh, you know Mifune comes back with them uh, Princess Yuki's with them as well and they have to throw they're forced <laughs> to throw their sticks on the bonfire yeah with all the gold in with it. With all the gold They can't right? <laughs> not do it. Mifuni orders them to do it, otherwise they'll get fined out. Yeah. They'd rather keep the gold, but that, to Mifuni, that's not what's important. Mm. And there's this great scene, they all join in with the... Mm, there's this does. kind of tragedy of the gold having been <laughs> flung in the fire, but this is Princess Yuki's awakening. Yes, yes. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, I mean, she's already... She slowly had it at mm. the tavern. She saw humanity. That was seeing humanity and she was not impressed, I suppose. No, no. Um... But then the fire festival yeah. really makes her come alive. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a
1: song that everyone's singing, which she, come, she comes out with later. As yeah, a, yeah. It's like the thing she took away from that. As yes. the, the memory of it. And so the next day, um, they're all scrabbling in the bonfire, picking out the gold, which has, of course, survived the fire, although it's all flattened and melted, melting, but they can yeah. still pick it up. Yeah. And they're trying to work out how much they can take because they know soldiers are coming. And the peasants... and. Mifuni says "Oh, we, the men can take so much the women can take so much but the peasants are saying no I can take twice that amount I can take because they think it's gold I'll take it as much as I can yeah. and of course ignoring the fact that they wouldn't be able to move under that yeah they of can't gold, get up can yeah. they actually
0: but off they stagger but even then they get into the forest and they think oh there's still some gold lying there and they yeah. go back for it
1: they go back for it and attract the attention of two samurai who follow them back to the peasants? Lead these two samurai back to
0: all the others. Yes.
1: And Mifuni, unarmed, I think he's unarmed at this point, uh, yeah. deals with these two samurai. <laughs>
0: yeah, well he takes one of their swords or something. Yeah, which yeah. is again
1: an example of his his ki, yes. you know, his, his energy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. I mean, and this le- anyway, this leads to their capture. There's this mm. another great scene where there's, there's shadows in the forest. Yeah. Coming and the the conch shells blowing out. And it's really... They're being hemmed in. And Mifuni says...
1: Th- "Mifuni says he's going to run to try and distract them. Distract the soldiers. Yeah. So that the princess and someone can escape. And then the peasant girl immediately gets up to take his place.
0: Before, Just before that happens mm. there's a scene where Mifuni gives Princess Yuki the sword, a dagger. And the look they give each other, I love that because uh-huh. it's quite intense. I think he's looking at her, giving her the dagger, and I, I think he's saying this is to kill yourself with yeah. Don't, you're not going to be captured but the look it's a bonding look you know yeah. I mean he, he's totally devoted to her through duty and she gives him a look with complete seriousness back as if she understands mm. but also a kind of a a thank you I think yeah. I just want a really intense little mm. moment I mean that's when truth I think comes out yeah. in the moments when everything's bearing down on you yeah. there's no other decision to be made your back's against the wall that's when, your character comes out. Yeah. Uh, Mifune's already acted in a heroic way, if you call it... in it depends what you think of as ro- heroic, of course. Yeah. Some people, performing your duty to the utter end is actually stupidity, and there's, yeah. there's definitely a point in that. Anyway, yeah, and as you say, he's just about to then leap off over the tree trunk when... Yeah.
1: The woman goes to run in his place to distract the soldiers, mm. but he runs out, and grabs her, and brings her back. Yeah. So he saves her life, yes. Which is something which is almost like making up for the sacrifice of his sister earlier. Yeah, I mean, on. does
0: he do that? Does he do that for Princess Yuki? Because I, I, I don't think he does because mm. there's been no time, normally. So he's not doing it for her. He does it without thinking. This yeah. is his human side it comes out.
1: Yeah, it's like he's learned the lesson to value something. Maybe it was there all along, but it's yeah. this.
0: As I say, it's this being pinned down. Your true, you know, the essence of you yeah. can't help but come to the fore. A coward will yes. will whimper and hide behind a bush, <laughs> as, <laughs> the two, as, the you know, as the peasants do. Other people will, well, you know, the truth. Mm. You know, you're down to the pure truth of yourself yeah. in those moments, which yes. I think is great. Anyway, they all get captured, apart apart from the two farmers who do escape behind their their, yes. their branch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And yeah, it all seems hopeless really because Princess Yuki, the woman, and General Macabi are tied up. The mm. gold is in the hands of the Yamana clan, and it looks like they're going to be executed the next day. Yeah. And then they're visited by Tadokoro, yeah, who has the addition of a scar across his face. Yes, being shamed by his lord. Yes, um, in a, as a lesson mm. because he was beaten by Maccabi. and he actually comes because he's angry with them. Yes. For that, for, for the dishonour. But it, I mean, he's already got respect for Maccabi. Yeah. Now he's got a reason to hate his own lord. I mean, yeah. he's completely, he's, he's, that's not his intention at first. Yeah. But when he sees Princess Yuki sing and what she's learnt and changed and he sees the humanity, really. She actually
1: says, I wouldn't have. A lord shouldn't shame his retainer. Yeah, but um, that's one of the things that makes him eventually transfer his loyalty to her. I think
0: she sings the song of quite a few Mm. verses, and there's this great scene with it. I mean, it's this lovely widescreen. You've Mm. got the three of them; she's in the middle, and Tadakoro is at the side in darkness, and just completely still. And you can see—well, you don't—he doesn't move. Yeah, there's no posturing acting in this. It's really naturalistic and lovely, but. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, he just he just stands there. But the change, I mean, I don't know. You kind of imagine it. Yeah. And as they're being the next day, they're tied up, put on horses, and you see him sitting there, deep in thought. Yes. And eventually, he stands up and he says, um, "Right, I've decided." Or he's obviously been is in turmoil all night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he, at that point, turns and joins Princess Yuki and Mikado and frees them because they're on the border. They're just about to be taken back yeah, into the Yeah, there's this enemy great longing
0: look through the gates. Yeah. Um, which the two farmers have passed through yeah. already. Um, but they look look how close they got. And there's this longing look through it and yeah. as they're tied up and being taken back into uh, not to their deaths. Yeah. So Tedakoro frees them and
1: is quite willing to die to protect them, but then is it Princess Yuki or Mifune says, yeah, No Yuki, come. On, I think, join, come yeah, yeah, come with us. Join us. us. Yeah. And so he he's free as well, and they all get into the um, get into heat. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> the other province. They get home. They get home. <laughs> Hayakawa. Yeah, Hayakawa province.
0: And um, they they're free, and they look down, and they the gold. They uh, the first thing I think Tadokara did was to get the horses with the gold through, so they go off. Yeah. And when they when they're through, and they look down and see the horses running off in the distance, they laugh. Yeah. and I just thought again I thought of Sierra Madre yes they have lost in Sierra Madre they've lost their gold and they laugh and here yeah. they see their gold running off I mean they've got it now yeah. but they're laughing their heads off as well just with the joy of the freedom um, I mean I guess they, they're probably thinking I can't believe we made it yeah <laughs> and of course
1: the horses with the gold run up to the peasants <laughs> yes they <laughs> immediately start there's two there's four horses all equally laden with gold, and one one of the peasants gets three horses, yes. and the other gets one, and they're arguing over. Yes, give me, give me that other They've horse. They've all this gold. And,
0: yeah, of course. Not long after the soldiers, the samurai come up, and yeah grab them all and they're put in prison I love the bit before the horses appear though where they're sitting there and they're saying um, they're saying, oh at least we got through this alive let's be kind to each other yes. and then they see the gold and squabble squabble <laughs> and then they're put in prison uh, and this time it's let's be kind to each other in the next life <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you see the shadow come through the cell and they think, you think oh god they're going to no. get executed but they're brought before the general the princess the two generals and the princess mm. They don't recognise them at first. because no. Now they're not dressed as peasants. They're just in their no. back in the class yeah. system. And
1: of course, Princess Yuki is in full regal female dress with all the makeup and yeah. everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Makabe is in his full samurai armor with the helmet, which he has to take off. Yeah. It's quite an optimistic ending for you know for Kurosawa. They get uh, well, he, he was quite an optimistic person, I think, generally, mm. a humanist. And but in this one. Uh, they're given a bar of gold yeah. as their reward. They said they can't be given more because they need it to rebuild yeah. um, the Akizuki dynasty.
1: Yeah,
0: And actually, as they go off down the steps, they don't squabble over it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they you, you look after Yeah, you it. look after you it. Look no? look after <laughs> it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I was thinking at the end, that they should have said, oh, we'd rather join your house and work for you. But of course they don't do that. <laughs> no, no, that.
0: No, no, no. They want the easy way out, don't they? The story runs along throughout the whole thing It's from one thing to another And I think that's the great thing about an adventure film Is it's a series of events I mean, I I know this can be said of any film But in particular, a series of trials A series of events Mm. And I think the way this was written If I remember what I read I'm sure I read this about Hidden Fortress Kurosawa in the morning would come up with An Impossible Situation (laughs) and the three other writers had to get them out of it and that's how they did it every day there'd be a new situation and then how do they get them out which I think is a brilliant way to write an adventure story
1: I I do love that about films where people get through on their wits rather than like you could say when they come to a border oh let's just fight our way through and that is a that is a way of doing it in a film you could make it exciting but I love it when they use their wits like to Shiro saying, oh, I found this gold. And it's such a bold
0: gesture. That you but would... there's still tension. I mean, mm. is it any less exciting? I think the cheap way is to fight your way through. <clears throat> yeah. Or you might think, oh, we've got to hide and go at night or something. I mean, that's mm. fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as you say, to come up with some other plan and yeah. you know, intelligence. <laughs> I mean, one good thing about
1: this film, I think, I mean, it's true of some of the others that we've talked about, is that, Although it is one story with a set aim, they're trying to get the gold and the princess from here to there, you get the feeling that each of the characters, treating the peasants as one character, <laughs> each of the characters has a different story. They, they learn a different thing. It's not a criticism of the other films, but they tend to be centred on one person, like Sierra Marjorie, it was the downfall of the Humphrey Bogart character. The yeah. other characters, you know, they did have a story. So. But in this one, you feel as though each one goes through a different like the princess learns about she's an idealist at the start and she learns about real life yeah uh, Mifune is um, a realist at first but he learns the value of even you know the life of a peasant woman you know yes and even the peasants maybe do finally learn to share you know
0: <laughs> so they all go through the <laughs> although I, I don't hold much hope out for them about no. <laughs> five minutes after the film <laughs> to be honest
1: <laughs> yeah but you do feel it's almost like there are three separate stories riding on the back of this one adventure. Which yeah. I think this is the first of them that I really felt that of, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, Kurosawa's a master and mm-hmm. I, I've been, I'm just so besotted by him that um, <laughs> I'm in danger of, and I've held myself back. But um, as I say, I'm just, I'm just so in awe of him as a, a creator, a director, a writer, as a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, yeah, I think, I think this is definitely one of the best... Of the ten films. Mm. And I I did wonder if going on an adventure film, it's it's never particularly something that happens to you. All the adventure films, I think this is right, we've only done four, and I'm not really looking ahead, but the ones so far, everyone's gone on the adventure of their own... Actually, no, The Hidden Fortress doesn't really respond to this idea, but... It's you decide to go on a quest. Yeah, these adventure films are are making a decision to go and do something. Now, actually, In Fortress isn't that, is Mm. it? Um, I suppose the farmers are are looking for glory, but actually, they just want to survive at this point. So um, they're opportunists. But yeah, and 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 the general and the princess are have no choice. They've been defeated. Yeah, have to escape. So I mean, what makes this an adventure film? Um, in the light of the three we've looked at so far, I mean, you can't say it's not pure adventure. Mm. When Kurosawa said he wants to make 100% entertainment, mm. it is. And it is, I think, that writing method of getting them into a fix mm. and then having to get out of it. It's that that's kind of the adventure. I mean, it's a journey. We've got the journey. We've got the. I mean, the adversaries are pretty much all it's the danger of them being discovered mm. so it is, it is slightly different isn't it from the others in that respect as well it's not as much of a the others were, were quests for something mm. again like mm-hmm. all stories adventure stories all stories are quests for something yeah. whether that be some kind of fulfilment or a bar of gold um, <laughs> this is not so much oh look here's a map of a lost world yeah. we're going to go and find this thing it's, it's a bit different. One,
1: one key difference is all the others, they start out at home. People venture into a place of peril for gain and then come back again. Quite often, some of them don't come back. Mm. This one starts after the main peril, which is war, and everyone is trying to get home. Yeah. It's almost like you start halfway through the adventure.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great thing about this film, actually, is the way you're thrown into it straight away I mean that mm. opening scene is a little bit expositional well it is totally expositional <laughs> but it's the comedy kind of distracts you from that they're yeah. squabbling yeah. but you're thrown into it straight away and the detail in the film shows you the world it doesn't have to be explained mm. this is war torn mm. you're not I mean okay you're told they're there, there in a war but you know it from seeing everything <laughs> mm. um, I mean and people's actions are totally dictated by being in uh, this environment of war mm. when kind of worse than the best comes out of humanity and here we see it mm, uh, yeah. both both sides of it yes but yeah great just fantastic <laughs> adventure <laughs> film really. it is yeah so yes so well that was the Hidden Fortress um, I think the next one we're doing is Lawrence of Arabia oh. Um, oh, well thank you for listening to our podcast on The Hidden Fortress please leave a comment let us know what you think of the film, let us know what you think of the podcast. Your thoughts on adventure films in general—all very welcome. It'd be great to hear from you. And um,
1: yeah, you've probably noticed by now that this isn't a weekly podcast, but yeah. we do. We'll we'll get the next one up as soon as we can. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, we do this when we can. So, I mean, usually we seem to have been at least within two weeks of the yeah. last one. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no guarantees. <laughs> um, but we're definitely going to be doing all ten. Yes, I think we're going to be doing all ten And then probably one more Just to talk about adventure films in general Yeah, we might do a summary episode I think think we probably will Um, So the eleven podcasts and all uh, However long that takes us (laughs) And so we'll see you In the next one In Arabia Thank you for listening